This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your sissy idol host. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all right, so we are here wrapping it up. I wanted to wrap it up before Thanksgiving, but, you know, it's just such as life. Too much got in the way and, and we ended up having to push the episode back a week. But uh, yeah, we're here doing the final kind of like, you know, November Marvel movie that we did. And uh it's shang chi and what is it the legend of the ten rings legend of the ten rings yes yes i keep calling it just shang chi but i know that there's a subtitle in there so i know and i'm also just called it shang chi well okay they pronounce his name shang in this movie yes i i'm we're actually Yankee americans <laughs> yeah and we're probably gonna keep calling it shang throughout the rest of the film so we apologize super in advance yes. um because we are the best at pronunciation of names that aren't you know anglo i guess all right so this movie you know it it came out some time ago um it's 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 one of those things that uh, i missed its initial theatrical run uh so watching it for this podcast it is the first time that i'm watching this movie despite the fact that it came out in either august or september right uh, September, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so it's just catching up a few months late, but I think the reason why I didn't want to watch it in theaters was because you know, such some other stuff. It, it's I knew it was going to come to Disney Plus eventually, and uh, it's just easier for me to watch these things at home than it is for me to get into theaters. It just as it just learned, is when you have kids. So as we've learned, like Angel just doesn't like movies in the movie theater. <laughs> No, you know, the funny thing is I love movies and I love going to the theater. It really is an experience that I enjoy. The problem is planning and outing, you know, getting the appropriate child care. And also because, you know, we live reasonably about half an hour away from most everyone that we know that could take, they could like watch our daughter. So it's like, we're, we have to like just squeeze in like screenings at, you know theaters that we wouldn't normally go to because we just have to go somewhere that's close to where they can take care of my kids so mm-hmm. it's just it it's a pain in the butt to just like plan it but the experience itself of going to a movie theater is fine um but <laughs> the other and i think it, it does if you just you know much like what i said last time right we did the eternals it, it was having to try to do it at a drive-in theater you know to have to deal with my kid and stuff like that and then also just being like distracted and tired and not really into it sometimes it's just it, it it hurts the experience and just being able to watch it at my own pace at home it is much better and i will always <laughs> be a lot better with these kinds of things i was excited about this one because i knew this was going to be better and let me just start off by saying <laughs> it is a million times better than what we watched for the last episode of this show Ooh, Angel already starting this episode with the hot takes. 
Remember, everybody, Angel hates Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, as much I don't hate Marvel, but as much as like I could be accused, the story I tell. as much as I could be accused of hating Marvel, I would say just watching this, like this movie does the Marvel formula pretty well and it's one of those things where it's like i know what i'm getting when i'm going into one of these marvel movies so like i you know the, is it just going to be good is it going to be like you know the enjoyable use of the formula because it is formulaic and that's and, and that's not a bad thing it does not have to be a bad thing at all but this is just basically like you know i watch this and i think a lot of it borrows from black panther i think a lot of it borrows from iron man too like it is just the there is a set formula for these movies, and that is you get the hero story, the hero origin story that tells you how they're going to you know, get into whatever powers that they're getting. What makes this a little bit by, like Black Panther is that you also got this you know, uh, fictitious uh, homeland that is not where you know, the character is in the beginning of the movie. Talo, um, not the country of China. Just heads up. Yeah, specifically Talo. I mean, yeah, because they they will go to what is it, Macau, and and that is absolutely a real city. <laughs> is it? Macau is a real city. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that goes to show how much I know about geography. Because I didn't. I honestly thought Macau was a stand-in, like for another city, like Madripoor is in in the Marvel like comic books when Madripoor is like this free pirate country that all the uh you know local criminals and mobsters like all flock to and that's kind of where like Wolverine was and I thought Macau was like a part of that for a little bit so to learn that Macau is the actual city I should stop I'm just I'm coming off as stupid and ignorant. well no I, I'm terrible at geography also and and the only reason why I know what Macau is is because I'm pretty certain that it's been featured in one of the more modern James Bond movies that's oh. which is you know what's nice about James Bond is that a lot of the time they are kind of it's kind of like a travelogue or kind of like a geography lesson you go to these places in the world and it shoots in places in the world that you would never think of like if it was colonized before. by white people it's free plant it's free rain to go <laughs> film that um apparently uh Macau was colonized by the Portuguese yes so um but you know it, it's so the we get that the fig, but we get you know talo which is like or tallow the you know fictitious world where you know instead of it being vibranium that's everywhere it's these like chinese mythology you know creatures it's literal magic yeah and like, and, and that's again no- that's fine it's like this this fit this fits absolutely right in with the world that wakanda is in right mm-hmm. um and then you also well, it get fits in like the world that marvel's building because now that you have you had Doctor Strange go to the Far East and like Tibet and become a Sorcerer Supreme. Mm-hmm. And we learned that magic is a thing, right? And as we're learning, a lot of magic is actually based on old technology and stuff, kind of like we're seeing with the Eternals, where yes. ma- like, like everything is interconnected. It's quote unquote magic, but, but it's it, yeah. all. Yeah, and then, then even that like mid credit sequence, I think, does a fantastic job of just, you know what I mean? It, it's it's Marvel understands what it's trying to do, and it does a fantastic job of just of weaving everything together 
you know, um, into in and making it feel like a world where all these characters would coexist. Um, you know, and, and the other thing that is formulaic about it is the kind of villain thing. You know, it is the the idea that the villain of the movie has a similar power to the hero. It is very reminiscent of you know Black Panther and Killmonger, Iron Man and Ironmonger, uh, Hulk and Abomination. Abomination. Like it is, th- this is what they've Captain been America, doing. Winter Soldier. Yeah, this is what they've been doing for ten years. But just mm-hmm. because it's something that they do over and over and over again, it doesn't mean that it's not interesting. And I would probably, I'd put it to you this way: I, I growing up, I was a giant fan of Power Rangers. And Power Rangers is insanely formulaic. Godzilla is insanely formulaic. You know exactly what you're getting when you go into one of those movies. And as long as they deliver something that's interesting and keeps you engaged the entire time, it is a resounding success for me. Unless you turn on it halfway through the movie review the way I did with Gorilla. (laughs) Gorilla. Godzilla versus versus Oh my god. All right. So I think um do you have any experience knowing who who Shang-Chi was before the movie started? No, I had absolutely no idea who this guy was, and I almost skipped the post-credit scene. And I was literally going to start this episode uh, asking, is this guy going to become an Avenger? And uh, the post credit scene, I mean, the mid credit scene, like, absolutely just tells you, yes, he, he will, in fact, be an Avenger. If he's not an Avenger, at the very least, he's going to be, like, an Avenger the way Batman is part of the Justice League, where it's, like, call me when you <laughs> royally fuck up. Yeah. But, yeah, all I knew about Shang-Chi going in was that he was the greatest martial artist in the um, MCU, in the in the Marvel Universe. And I'm talking, like, supposedly he, he's the one that, like, creates fighting styles for, like, Spider-Man and Wolverine and Captain America. Like, he's trained with all the greatest hand-to-hand combatants in the, um, in the uh, universe. And then apparently there was, like, some weird stuff where he had the power to, like, clone himself or he can generate limbs, which helped him fight even better. But um, I don't really remember. I, again, I didn't know too much. The only experience, uh, yeah, the only experience I had with him was from Spider-Man comics. And I think, like, one or two Deadpool issues he might have been in. But I hadn't read those since, like, 10 years ago so i can't really tell you uh exactly so honestly i went in uh not knowing anything about it i'll I'll just say i knew i went in not knowing anything about shang chi um and personally i was okay with that like i think it was cool and refreshing actually to go into a into a movie uh a marvel movie an mcu movie and just not knowing anything and just like not having my expectations too high or not having to worry about like what could possibly how how faithful is it to the source material i can literally just evaluate it for the film it is and i'm biased and i'll admit that right from the beginning because i am a fan of martial arts films um so i was really juiced at the possibility of a marvel like martial arts film I am kind of the opposite. I, I like, I understand why people like martial arts films. 
and I'm not going to say I don't like them. I just, it's kind of like the Western genre. It's one of those things that I just haven't seen enough of to really, you know, say how I feel about it. So I tried not to like get into that. I will say that I've tried, I've wanted to, to, to plan out like watching a bunch of these, like, you know, kind of like, you know, martial arts uh, and also just like these, these older Eastern, like, you know, films that are popular among the Western audiences. So uh, I have not been, and that's why I, you get nervous when you come into something like this because I just, am I going to be able to follow it? Is it going to make references to things I don't understand? And, uh, you know, again, it's very Marvel. It just, it just, because it's so formulaic and similar to the other stuff in it, I got into it pretty quickly. So that is very good for me. It is highly successful for me. Uh, this movie does remind me and teach me that uh, I just, I really do need to get into some of those, genres that i haven't gotten into before and uh you know it's just the gentle reminder that and i and i try to come into it without having like a negative attitude about it or without trying to give an opinion without understanding the genre more uh the fight choreography is very reminiscent of like the old 90s like hong kong uh martial arts films and it's this is actually i think a good movie if you're not normally into that genre because i'm not gonna lie that genre is actually really goofy especially once it gets dubbed for american audiences (laughs) i mean already usually the story is like pretty paper thin because you're just using the story as like a vehicle to get you from one epic you know fight set piece to the next epic fight set piece so at least in Shang-Chi, like, the focus is actually on introducing the character and giving us a pretty good story. Because <laughs> otherwise, I mean, yeah, a lot of the times these movies have very goofy um, storylines that are super paper thin. And it's literally just to just to get you to the fights, you know? I mean, I think it was Ong Bak. I think Ong Bak won. The whole thing was that it was Tony Jaw getting an elephant back or something like that. <laughs> I mean, a lot of these movies follow the John Wick formula. So, yeah, this is a good one to dip your toe in and kind of expose yourself to that, to that new genre. Before we start with, like, our normal film, like, discussion, I should explain why I called myself the sissy idol host. <laughs> and as it turns out, while, like, me and Angel were getting ready to talk about Shang-Chi, I was just Googling and just trying to, like, find some numbers and stuff to talk about. And I stumbled on this article by Yahoo News and NPR talking about how, like, China is kind of going through another cultural revolution where they're they're restricting the amount of, quote-unquote, effeminate men that are, like, shown in the media. And also they, I don't know if it, it's connected, but they also didn't want to, like, release Shang-Chi in theaters over there like there's a lot of weird stuff going out in China right now um I don't know that there's a lot of geopolitical stuff that I'm personally not gonna really say I have an opinion on because I just don't know anything about it (laughs) but that was freaking cuckoo bananas to me (laughs) reading about all that all that all that wildness but yeah just the fact that like the country is keeping sissy idols and effeminate men off tv was pretty crazy like next level bonkers to me 
So yeah, that's why I called myself the sissy idol host earlier. <laughs> but now, now with that, let's jump into Shang-Chi. All right. So this movie kind of it starts like what is it like thousand years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I, I can't. I, who is I'll, this? I, the pronunciation of names is getting, much like when we did. Uh, well, like when we did uh, Parasite. So we'll try yes. our best. But yes. it starts with Su Wen Wu. Thank you. I think we call him. I think they call him Wen Wu the rest of the film. That's fine. Wen but, Wu is exactly what I will remember him as. Um, but yeah, he's like this warlord that's been alive for about a thousand years thanks to the power of the Ten Rings. Now, it doesn't really explain what the Ten Rings do, just that it grants immortality and just a bunch of, I guess, in quotes, power. Yes. And we get, yeah, we get to see where he can take on like an entire army by himself by literally just shooting rings at the bad guys. Right away, I do like that we're starting off here, even though it's, it is a rough place to start. <laughs> I do appreciate starting here because it, it does kind of unfold as something like not a mystery, but some, as something you're going to learn more about as it goes on. Because, like, just, again, I've never read this comic book. I'm not familiar with any of these characters. My question watching it in the beginning is, like, who are these characters? Why does these guys, why does this guy have the Ten Rings? You know, what's the big deal? Like, you know, I know that eventually Shang-Chi is going to end up, like, with these rings. But I'm like, it's just one of those things where, like, why are we here? Is it going to be some sort of, like, thing where it disappears for thousands of years and he, like, finds it at, like, a in like buried out behind a shopping mall or something and uh <laughs> and i get then you know as it goes on i we you find out that this is that that win Wu is is shang chi's father and um it, it, it's it, it i guess like it's kind of like a just i as you said warlord that's been around for a long time and as someone who only who's only uh reference for comic books is dc like i mm-hmm. just think of like rachel ghoul right <laughs> from it's batman kind of, when i see it <laughs> it's kind of like that because the thing is now iron man fans will remember that one of his nemeses especially in the 60s in a much <laughs> more offensive and not progressive time one of his arch nemesis was the, the mandarin. mandarin exactly mm-hmm. And the Mandarin was a popular enemy up until, uh, dude, shit you not, he was in Marvel's Ultimate Alliance, and that was like in 2002. (laughs) Well, he was in Iron Man 3, quote unquote. He was in Iron Man 3, and it was meant as a joke because they were also poking fun of the ridiculousness of that villain. And I do like that it is brought to attention because the the thing is the Ten Rings are um, associated with the Mandarin. But because they've also tried to step away from that character and step away from, like, you know, how kind of offensive that character is, they had to find a new way to introduce the Ten Rings. So they were able to uh, link that to... um, They found a way to link that to uh, Shang-Chi's origin and also establishes the Ten Rings as this terrorist organization which uh, ties all the way back to Iron Man 1, telling us, you know, it's just telling us that, hey, this is just another character, another way these worlds are all interconnected, you know? Um, And like you were saying, like, 
when Wu's lived for a thousand years and he's led this organization and treat, you know, he's essentially, like you said, League of Shadows, I think is a good way to put it. Um, except a lot more closer to the comics than it is to, like the Nolan movies, but essentially the League of Shadows, um, I'm sorry, not the League of Shadows, the Ten Rings. They, oh no. I know, no, I'm <laughs> People are gonna be, Marvel fans are going to be coming for your head now. <laughs> oh no, that's terrible. Shut up, nerds. <laughs> well, I think the reason why uh, I said like that, that's kind of like what it makes me think of is because I thought of that, I instantly knew from the early part of this movie, this guy is going to be the villain of this movie. Mm-hmm. It gives off that vibe right away and it does establish your villain and, but you know, they also make you care about the villain too, because it's like, yeah, he's the leader of this organization that can make and destroy like countries essentially, but he's also a family man. And, you know, we get the scene where, uh, you know, he, he wants to pursue more power and he hears about the mythical land of Talo and he goes to Talo going through the bamboo forest uh, in some really, I don't know, I don't know how I felt about the CGI for that part, but we do get to see a really well choreographed fight between him and the guardian of Talo, uh, this woman named Ying Li, who when she gets introduced, you know, she's wearing the mask, she has the, like, the bamboo hat, and I just love the color schemes they pick in this movie. Like, color is a huge part of this film. And I just love how they they play with it, especially in this scene, how they like contrast like the earthy tones and like the bright, vibrant colors that she's wearing and contrast it with like the very monochrome colors that when Wu's wearing as they're fighting and it's almost like a dance. It's really cool. Like I really love yeah. I really love that first scene. And then, you know, we find out they fall in love and he loves her so much that he actually takes the rings off and dedicates himself to being a family man um and that's where we learn he has a child with her we get we see shang chi and we see his sister uh she oh shialing shailing i think shailing is the way to pronounce yeah, it yeah shailing 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 is is what it sounded like but i think it's shailing okay we'll try our best Jesus. yes again apologies in advance y'all yes. But Shailin and uh, Shang-Chi are the kids, and we kind of get to see the a little bit, like, a slice of what their um, life is like. Uh, the cool thing about this opening scene is it's all narrated in, like, Cantonese. Um, I think, like, the first five minutes um, you have to read in, uh, in subtitles. And me personally, I am okay with it. <laughs> yes, I am okay with it too. Because even though I don't watch martial arts movies, what might you my exposure to Eastern cinema is watching like kaiju movies, and a lot mm-hmm. of those movies are like you know dubbed. And well, it, you either can listen to the dubbed ones, but a lot of times it's like movies that you're watching and you're reading subtitles the whole time. And in sharp contrast to something like Eternals. This is something that we're only doing once with mm-hmm. one character. So you're not immediately burning out your audience by, by having to jump back and forth between different timelines. So again, slipping out of something that was way too unfamiliar from, from what I know is a Marvel movie to something that's like slipping into a warm bath and a lot more familiar is, is 
again, it, it, I'm going with it and the, reading the subtitles is not a problem. And, uh, you know, just getting through this first segment of the movie, it is pretty interesting. And uh, once we do pass it and we end up finding where Shang-Chi is in modern day, you know, interestingly enough, much like Black Panther, we start in Oakland. <laughs> Shang-Chi, <laughs> we're starting in San Francisco. So we're not going very far from our own backyard with the start of these movies. And I think it's just, again, it, it's, it's just, it, it, it's, it's a formula, but it's a formula that works. And the other thing is, like, even though they're not in the same timeline or same universe, I guess, doesn't this San Francisco feel a little bit like, you know, in another part of the city, maybe Venom is there or something? <laughs> well, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I don't want to spoil anything for any other movie. <laughs> but yeah especially after you watch venom and you see how that is very hardcore san francisco anytime you do see like a city where there's more than one hero you're like what if what if they just ran into each other well yeah and then you know you and i talk about this a lot but it's like you see san francisco on film it's like everyone like films the port of san francisco and then all of a sudden it's like the streets of vancouver and yeah. <laughs> or like or somewhere in australia and it's like you know, like i've never <laughs> seen this place before in my life the fact that that this like action sequence with uh katie and shang chi like like we're gonna see places like uh Ghirardelli square mm-hmm. or you're gonna be driving down streets that i know it's like yes it, it is much it doesn't matter for most of the people watching this movie because you know you may or may not know where this is and it doesn't even matter to you but again it's just it's a nice it's nice to know that you are where you say you are (laughs) when you're doing these things like i love the scene where he goes to talk to or where he goes to meet up to katie or go goes to meet up with katie before they go to work uh because he walks through a legitimate san francisco street and people are setting up for the for the day like it's actually really cool because I'm like, I've walked by corner stores that look just like that, you know, whenever I've gone to the city for work or something like that. So it was cool. Like, it, I'm like you and I tend to gush over whenever a movie has, shows San Francisco or the Bay Area period in a very, like, legitimate sense. But it does lend, like, this movie does a good job of lending itself, like, to legitimacy, you know, like, whether it's having your character speak their native language in the beginning of the film uh narrating parts um and pretty much telling your audience hey you're gonna have to read subtitles just deal with it it's a part of the story or even something as simple as using actual locations that you're saying your story takes place in like it's completely it it lends itself and gives it a little bit more flavor because i think the only other movie that takes place outside of new york or outside of the east coast and in the mcu is like ant-man right i think ant-man is the only one that takes place in california that's right yeah ant-man is in san francisco too this does feel like the same city where ant-man would operate also so definitely that absolutely makes sense it's again it's just i don't know they're good at they're good at making these things feel it feel like they all go together um so we get the introduction of shang chi really before this we get the introduction of shang chi and um katie and mm-hmm. you know katie played by aquafina who i've only seen in crazy rich asians beside this like i'm not very familiar with her i guess she's a musician of sorts um never seen that uh aquafina from queens i think is the show she's known for 
Okay. Yeah. But this uh, is, I never this is my it. this is my introduction. Well, this is my only the second movie that I've ever seen her in. So um I, I you know I like I like her character. I think it's good to have the you know the, he, he, like because Shang-Chi has to play the straight man, it's good to have like the more you know settled like you know person who like Ned in those new Spider-Man movies, right? You get the mm-hmm. non-hero who like grounds everything in reality and is a mm-hmm. bit of a like you know the comedic presence that we need. Um, she and gives also, you just what like, everyone else's response is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, and also you know it, it's it's just neat that yes we are going to go into a bit more of the Asian culture um, and, and kind of like I think there's going to be a lot of stuff in this movie where like if you are Asian um, you probably will relate to some of you know to some of like what you're seeing in terms of the family life for katie mm-hmm. and and you know like the 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 thing where she's like talking about yeah you know everyone expects more from her and it, she's someone who's kind of looked down upon because she's a bit of a slacker and i well, guess we find out they're both kind of lovable slackers right like yeah. they both they're like we have the scene where they go meet up with their friend their high school friend um and they're just talking about like all the trouble they used to get into in high school and that's where we get the running gag of Katie getting Shang, uh, getting Shang-Chi out, of, well, Sean, out of a fight by getting in the bully's face and starts shouting the lyrics to Hotel California. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, like they talk about how they ended up stealing that kid's car and going for a joyride. And that's like when the friend gives them, you know, like that's the running theme is that they're not living up to their potential since Katie graduated from... Um, from i think cal i forgot with what degree yeah um, it was cal. But, they, you know, but yeah they, they mentioned she graduated from cal and i forgot what she said about uh sean like what makes him special hey and it that's relatable to not just an asian audience i there's so many people that i know that like you know it's like you graduate college and and it's it's, it's rough out there right now like a lot Man. of people are working in the things that they that they that they went to school with but, you know, for my friends who did go to college, fear not, I, I have all the hope in the world that you are doing the right things. And uh, all I want is for my friends to be happy. But it is relatable. Okay, else. It's about our friends. <laughs> it's relatable, right? I mean, just it, it just makes them feel like people in the real world. Dude, and-, and I was like, before I made the decision to go to school, like, again, and go back for my master's. Like, I can't tell you how many times I would be, like, at awkward family dinners and then just the conversation being like, so when are you going back to school? When are you going to live your life to its full potential? And I'm just like, first of all, hello, hi, how's everyone doing? <laughs> like, it really is, like, awkward whenever whenever those, like, post-college, like, life talks start taking place. And that part, like, any of those kind of scenes, I'm always just, like, right there with you, girl. I know exactly what that feels like. <laughs> oh, man. So, after that, after they have that talk, um, I think it was uh, Katie ends up kind of, like, angry over, over what their friend was saying. So, they decide that they can either be responsible or go out drinking and uh, go to karaoke. Which that's under what they end up doing, <laughs> falling asleep in the karaoke room <laughs> at one point, and then you know smash cuts to the next day. Shang Chi uh, goes and meets up with Katie. We get to see what her involvement with her family is, and how kind of like what uh, like what like you what you were alluding to earlier. We get to see some of the traditions, right? 
like where uh, the grandma has a uh, has a chair pulled out for uh, her husband that people aren't allowed to sit in. I'm assuming that's what was happening. I didn't really like. I didn't really like verify what that what that practice was. Um, but you know, there was something I did relate to. Like they did mention how on an anniversary that they do bring um, gifts for the. Uh, for the deceased, much like uh, Day of the Dead, like in our culture. So it was interesting to kind of see that part too, but it was cool. Like it was cool being able to see a legitimate like family life in in a Marvel movie, like especially something we're not used to coming from, you know, from the Asian community. And then... So from there, we get to see the action scene on the bus, on a muni bus, and... uh, (laughs) <laughs> it where you know they get they're attacked by I, are they members of the ten rings or are they just mercenaries no they're they're ten rings all right <laughs> uh the the guy with the sword arm i think he has like a tattoo or something um but you know they shane uh yeah shane chi gets accosted by like three guys who want the pendant the necklace that he wears around his neck and originally he does the old uh the old martial arts like go-to line which is i know i don't want any trouble and of course one of them hits katie which pisses shang chi off and then we see him do all kinds of cool (laughs) moves and suddenly it just takes off right and of course it's done in the marvel way where you have the funny the funny side characters going on like you have the dude that's recording the fight he starts live streaming it and then reviewing the fight as it's happening <laughs> it's just like that. That actually, you could see that happening, which is really funny. Well, yeah, it's again, it's stuff that happens in the real world. <laughs> so. But it's just like he's such <laughs> like it, the funny part of it is it's so because I I'm not in the most physically shape person, but I also do like watching combat sports, <laughs> like you know, not just pro wrestling. Like sometimes I watch MMA or boxing and stuff, and I'll just be like sitting my fat ass on the couch, being like, "Huh, that was a stupid combo." <laughs> it's like, like us, like reviewing movies. <laughs> hey man, we're more likely to be filmmakers than combat sport athletes. I don't know how likely I even am to be a filmmaker. <laughs> That's just... it. That's gonna be the project. That's gonna be what we're doing. I'm just Dude, a pretentious like, film fan. And I'm a less pretentious film <laughs> as I rub hot Cheeto dust on my t-shirts. Uh, but yeah, that fight, great. Like I love the choreography in that fight scene. Freaking awesome. Yeah. The only thing, my only complaint is really the CGI, but it's like also, what are you gonna do? Like, yeah. And I do not... like, I do like that 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 eventually because the bus driver is incapacitated, Katie has to drive the bus, and it's just like for people who grew up in the '90s, it's like you can't like watch that and not think of speed <laughs> with Sandra Bullock and and uh goodness uh Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves yeah I almost said and the guy who plays John Wick <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the guy that played Johnny Mnemonic <laughs> I was gonna say that is a pull <laughs> no even though I know what that reference is, I, I, I don't think I could go that that far and yeah, pull the, something that far out of the depths. That joke was for you, me, and like three other people. Uh, but yeah, once we get this scene, we we get the, uh, you know, where Shang like 
explains himself to Katie. And, you know, again, this guy's a valet, a parking valet. So it makes sense that if he if he is able to afford, he wouldn't even be able to afford this place in San Francisco. But if he would be able to afford this place in San Francisco, (laughs) it would be like a a garage studio. (laughs) I was about to say, he's living like in a garage studio. And mind you, Katie just saw him like kick the shit out of a dude with the sword arm (laughs) who cut the Muni bus in half. <laughs> like the like the entire scene is over the top and great, but you know it's awesome. I love the way I love the way it's done. So he Shang Chi reveals that he got a postcard from his sister out in Macau, and that he's going to get on a plane and go uh, see her. Katie refuses to let him go alone, and she also uh, gets on the plane with him. And this is where Shang Chi reveals like the rest of his life story, where he, uh, you know, he explains that his mother was killed by a rival gang um, after Wen Wu retired from criminal, pretty much being a criminal. So he ends up putting on the the ten rings again and ends up getting revenge, killing the the rival gang, and training his kids, uh, Shang Chi and Shai Lang, Shai Ling, fucking a to uh to to essentially be killers and the idea was that he trained them uh from sun up to sundown in like just brutal martial arts brutal like assassination techniques and uh he his original plan was to send shang chi as to to go i think what i think he was supposed to be like 14 he he was going to send to san francisco to kill somebody um, but once Shang-Chi got there, he didn't have it in him. And essentially he took on a new name, calling himself Sean and uh, just kind of setting up roots in uh, San Francisco. And that's what kind of gives us the joke of, um, and that's what gives us the joke that, uh, that Sean came to the U.S. and got an Americanized name. But <laughs> I love the way I love the way Katie says it. She's like, that's like going, that's like if my name was Gina and I came to America and called myself Gina. <laughs> like it was really good. And then so after that, we get to Macau. Yes. And in Macau, uh Shang and Katie go to this like super powered fight club. That's ran by well, we we don't we don't know this yet, but it's run it's actually um, run by uh, Xiaoling, and we also get to meet crap. What was his name? He was in he was in uh, I forgot what the dude's name was. Uh, that he was in uh, what's it called uh, he was in Crazy Rich Asians too. I forgot what it. He was like one of the brothers. You talking about was Ronnie it, Chang? Yeah, it was Ronnie Chang. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I've, I saw him in Crazy Rich Asians also, but I uh, I know him more than anything from uh, Daily Show. He was That's on Daily was Show say. with Trevor Noah. He's been in a <laughs> lot of things, actually. He was like in Daily Show with Trevor Noah. He was in, uh, I think he was in Godzilla too, right? He was in Godzilla vs. Kong? Uh I don't remember. I could have sworn he was in it, but all I know is anytime I see Ronnie Chang on on screen, I'm like, <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> like he's always just a goofy personality. <laughs> but pretty much, he's kind of like the fight promoter. And on their way up to the fight club, he has Shang um, sign some paperwork. And then once they get there, he reveals that Shang Chi is actually going to fight. 
<laughs> that's what the paperwork was about and as they go and get ready we actually see wong from uh dr strange fighting abomination <laughs> and it's confirmed that it actually is emil blonsky but it doesn't look anything like the abomination from the incredible hulk movie with ed norton this one is definitely a lot more amphibious looking he's he's got he's more traditional to the comics and we see that Wong ends up beating him in a fight by making him punch himself, and he opens the ring portal to get uh, him and uh, Abomination back to, I guess, back to the um, uh, back to the monastery that they train at. And from there, we get another fight. This time between Shang Chi and uh, Xia Ling. Xia Ling. I feel so terrible for like messing up her her name each time or <laughs> saying it different, but uh Shiling, um, where Shang refuses to hit her, and but while they're going at it, um, you know, like she's just getting getting over on him until finally she just kind of knocks him out. <laughs> and and uh Shang-Chi ends up losing the fight. Uh, I do like the visuals. I like them fighting in the giant glass dome, like suspended dome. It just looks cool and unique, you know, it does look futuristic. Also, for some reason, this scene gave me a lot of, uh, it gave me a lot of uh, uh, Black Panther vibes. Specifically when they go to that casino, the that casino scene, I think, yep. in there in Korea. I know what you're, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know what's funny is that we see, you know, this is where we see Wong from... Uh, Doctor Strange, <laughs> and I thought I knew who he was, but then it was—I'm going to be totally honest. It was a part of me that was just like, "Is that the guy from Doctor Strange?" Because I haven't watched Doctor Strange, but mm. I recognize this character, or I thought I did. And it was like, "Is this the guy from? Is this the you know?" Is, is when I saw Wong, I was like, "Is this the guy from Doctor Strange, or am I just racist?" <laughs> thankfully as soon as i saw him do like the doctor strange hands thing i was like okay good thank god (laughs) you had a real moment where you're like am i racist and the answer is yes we're all racist hey at the very least you weren't like is that gilgamesh that one i would have been like okay you might be a little bit racist but anyway um, so, uh, Shai Ling ends up pulling, uh, Katie and Shang into the, into her office where, you know, she explains that after Shang left, uh, she waited for him because he promised that she would come or he would come back for her. He never did. So essentially she escaped from, uh, the 10 rings compound and she said, she went to Macau where she set up this like underground fight pit. And that, you know, she never needed Shang after that, and she doesn't intend to need him now. Shang, you know, confronts her, asking them why did she send the postcard, to which they finally realize that it was all a trap set up by Wen Wu to try to draw out both of his kids. So, the kid, you know, they, you know, he says that they're going after her pendant, and just then, that that's when they get attacked by the Ten Rings, like, yeah, this, like, Ten Rings, like, soldiers like a bunch of dudes with guns start like storming the office um sh- yeah silent shyling and uh ronnie chang end up escaping through a side door and katie and 
uh, Shang end up escaping through the window, and they like they they start climbing through these bamboo. Um, what are they called? Like scaffolding. And uh, in scenes that gave me total rush hour two vibes, <laughs> just because of that, like literally nothing else other than bamboo scaffolds. That's the only reason I felt that. But we get another fight scene where uh, Shang takes on a bunch of the ten uh, ring soldiers outside. All really cool. Obviously, a little bit more CGI heavy. Scene is how where they're fighting. Uh, Shang Ling ends up uh, getting back into the fight and saving Katie before she can fall off the side of the building. Uh, however, she ends up, uh, you know, in doing so, she ends up losing her pendant to uh, who appears to be like this kind of elite guard. I don't know if he's ever really given a name, but it's like one of Wen Wu's guys with the uh, with the face mask or with the face mask and like the paint and all that. Oh yeah, that I don't know who that is by name, but that awesome awesome look. I loved it. His name is like it's something edgy and um yeah it's supposed to be like a death dealer that's what it is so his it's like something uh edgy and generic so his name is death dealer i didn't really know much about him before didn't know much you don't really learn much about him throughout the course of the movie (laughs) you just know that he trained shang chi and that he's you know he looks badass uh, and as he steals the pendant, ends up running th- uh, running away. Shang Chi chases after him, and they have a one on one fight. And before Shang Chi can uh, essentially kill, um, or you're left to believe, kill um, Death Dealer, uh, he ends up getting jumped by the rest of the uh, Ten Ring soldiers. And him, Katie, and uh, Shang Ling are uh, taken back to the compound. So yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, the action scenes just great great choreography <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how many more you know I, I don't know how much i can stress that right um but when they get to the compound uh her fa- or their father uh ends up having dinner uh you know with his kids and katie and uh you know tell like i think this is kind of where he reveals that he believes his mom his mother is in Talo. Or that their mother is in Talo, his wife is in Talo, and that uh, they're keeping her away from him or from the family, and that you know it's their job to go get her back. Um, at this point, like Shang and Shai Ling kind of believe that their dad is kind of crazy, <laughs> and that there's no way they can even get to Talo. But using the pendants, we get that really cool scene where he puts in like the dragon eyes and that statue. And like the water comes like flying out <laughs> and creates like a map, which looks really dope. And then like as it floats, it just kind of like falls back down. Um, and, and it reveals uh the pathway to get to Talo. And essentially, uh when Wu reveals that he wants to take the ten rings, uh raise Talo to the ground and save um and save Ying Li who he believes is being held there against her will. Uh, when Shang and uh, Ling try to like get the Ten Rings to, to understand that, you know, their dad is essentially going insane, mm-hmm. uh, he ends up beating both of them and throwing them into essentially a dungeon. 
And this is actually where we meet Ben Kingsley's character. <laughs> Dude, okay, you talked about the Mandarin. Ben Kingsley mm-hmm. was the Mandarin in Iron Man 3, except like they did this thing that, god damn it, I, I hate that movie to this day. And uh, where they did in the trailer, they made him look like he was going to be like a major villain and Mm -hmm. like, all right, well, they're going to do this with Ben Kingsley. And, uh, you know, they turned him into a joke. And it's like this one, they brought him back as, you know, I was very shocked to see this character. But now that you kind of made the the illusion, well, you made the reference before we started this, that 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 the Ten Rings is kind of something that is uh, very Mandarin-esque. Uh, and, and kind of connected to that part of the Marvel like universe, uh, it makes a lot of sense why Ben Kingsley is in this movie now. Well, he and I love the way they justify the Mandarin character or the actor that played him in this movie, like be around. Because I think when Wu mentions it at dinner, he has kind of like that monologue scene where he talks about how. Um, the americans or the western world is afraid of him without even knowing what he is and that they created the character the mandarin to be to give them something afraid and not and i love the line he says all the while not knowing that they that they're afraid of a piece of fried chicken or something like that like implying that that's just what they call their food because the mandarin is nothing like it is nothing it just shows how little they actually understand um the culture right uh, which I thought was really, really cool line. Wen Wu is actually great. Like the guy, the dad. I mean, I think there was a lot of strong performances, but Wen Wu was actually really good. Like <laughs> he's like a sympathetic villain, and it's like the entire, like the entire time, like I'm. You do feel for him because it's like as an audience member, you do know that, like, yeah, he's supposed to be a bad guy, and although technically he hasn't reformed, it's it's the killmonger magneto kind of villain to where where they are clearly the bad guy in this but enough of how you know why they are the way they are is so well explained and has such a depth and 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 real like gray area as opposed to black and white about it that you Mm -hmm. totally understand it despite the fact that you're well aware these guys are villains it's like their mo- their motivations aren't necessarily what makes them villains. It's how far they're willing to take their plans. Because the way Magneto wanted to... Um, yeah, the way Magneto wanted to essentially like dethrone humanity and create like mutant supremacy, or the way Killmonger essentially wanted to start like an ethnic cleansing, or the way, you know when Wu wants to just get his wife back but also use the ten rings as a way to kind of control criminality in the entire world <laughs> so it's actually it's it's one of those things where it's like yeah they're like their ideologies just because they've taken it to extreme is what makes them evil um but yeah like going back to the ben kingsley's character like I, i'm glad they just made this character a complete goofball <laughs> but at the same time i'm also like at this point i'm kind of over having another goofball character like i'm cool with katie being a goofball character um but what they did is they kind of like at that point once they introduced uh trevor the the you know ben kingsley's character they downplayed uh katie as a like comic relief 
and they really like they gave her more to do in the film which i did appreciate and they just kind of relegated ben kingsley to being the comic relief for the rest of the film so at that point i was like okay that's fine like (laughs) you know it gave katie more stuff to do so i'm not really complaining so from that point um you know we get to see that uh trevor is holding on to those weird like no-faced rabbit wing monster uh which was originally from talo uh, we find out Trevor reveals that his dad, or that Shang and uh, Shai Lang's dad, uh, Wen Wu, didn't want to kill him, but keep him around kind of as a court jester. And so he performs, <laughs> like, he reveals that as he was about to get executed, he breaks out into Macbeth, which ends up entertaining the firing squad so much that they kept him around just to, like, act out scenes for them. So he goes on shows and like just gets kept down in that dungeon. But with the help of the um, that kind of like mystical animal, uh, oh, his name is Morris, the, the, the guide Morris, they end up escaping from the compound using Razor Fist, the guy with the sword, uh, sword hand. It turns out his name was Razor Fist. <laughs> they end up stealing his car and uh escaping into uh the forest uh the next morning the way to talo revealing itself to morris as he kind of guides them uh through the driving driving in the bamboo forest um personally i don't know how you felt about the cgi in this film i felt like the cgi in the forest always looked kind of weird I again I'm watching it at home and uh if I was watching it on a screen like in a movie theater or like focusing on it it probably would bother me CGI by and large just looks fake to me mm-hmm. uh, I kind of have I'm a little desensitized to it so as long as there isn't anything egregious like when we're watching something like Mortal Kombat Annihilation mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not gonna get bothered by it <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know why it just felt like I'm used to a certain level of quality from Marvel and it was weird kind of not getting it here. So after the shitty CGI forests, we go into these planes where we get to see dragon horses. Hey, Angel, do you like dragons? I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to dignify that with a response. <laughs> do you like tapes and CDs? <laughs> okay, I'm done. No, I just do it. All right. Yeah, I like dragons. You're gonna be dragging these nuts on your face. <laughs> that's, that's what they should have called this movie Shang Chi and dragging these nuts on your face. That's gonna be my movie. <laughs> but as they um yeah, as they like drive through the this field, we end up seeing those like really cool giant lion bear things that you know you see them as like statues and a lot of like asian like art and architecture and stuff like that um but we also see the essentially the the people of talo and all of them are girded for war just completely ready and they're ready to kick the shit out of uh shining shang chi and katie until they until i forget what her name is let me look it up uh until uh oh ying nan so uh ying li's sister and uh the the and uh shang chi's uh auntie recognizes him and she kind of embraces him and uh and shai ling 
and just kind of like gives him a kind of a welcoming to Talo. And here, get ready for more lore dump, baby. Because <laughs> here she explains how the people of Talo are, or she kind of explains, um, you know, more Marvel like primordial world goodness. But she talks about how uh, Talo exists in its own like separate dimension. And that's where a lot of like the Chinese mythological creatures originate from. And that thousands of years ago, the village was attacked by the Dweller in Darkness, which is essentially this like soul-sucking Cthulhu monster. And it sends out its minions to suck other souls out so that it can feed and become stronger. Oh, man. Um, For people like us who are afraid of like non-existent creatures inside of deep, dark waters, mm -hmm. the, the climax of this movie is particularly frightening. Even the even the monster that's supposed to help them, the great protector dragon that like lives at the bottom of the ocean. I'm like, if I had to go to the bottom of the lake to go summon it, fuck that. Let the world burn. <laughs> because that's the definition of thalassophobia. You're in a giant body of water and then something huge and dwarfs you. Like wakes up suddenly, man. Um, I think I, th I think I sent it to you, right? That Cthulhu video, like that uh, that that uh, Instagram reel where it's like, yeah, augmented reality of yeah. your point of view. I was like, fuck that, dude. That is terrifying. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So we find out that the dweller in darkness was uh, defeated by the great protector dragon, and he was sealed behind the dark gate um, to the dweller. To the dwellers i guess home dimension um and then essentially the people of talo stand guard until the and to make sure that the that the uh dweller in darkness ever comes back so they believe that the dweller in darkness has been um, manipulating wen wu and using his grief as a tool to uh bring him to talo destroy the village and uh break down the gate because as he believes that Ying Li is actually behind the gate and that the dweller in darkness will get, will bring her to him. Um, so essentially from there, our, uh, the villagers begin training. Uh, Shining, uh, gets her, uh, meteor dart back. Um, but what's cool is they, they're given, uh, these special enchanted, I guess, enchanted weapons, because they're all uh, made from uh, the dragon scales. And, you know, like, this is where the, they, they get those vibrant red costumes. This is where uh, Shang-Chi gets his, like, um, gets his, like, red robe. This is where uh, everyone starts getting, like, their red-tipped arrows, their red swords, like, all the weapons. Like, the big theme here is red because they're getting ready for war, right? um we see that katie gets trained to shoot an arrow and that she actually picks it up very quickly of almost immediately negating the need for hawkeye or kate bishop and any of the mcu from here on out <laughs> yeah it's funny funny that it like kind of starts off as a gag of like you know all right fine i guess i'll go sit with these like people that i don't really know 
and they like tell her that you know if she doesn't shoot then she's not aiming for anything and it's mm-hmm. one of those things that both turns her into a sidekick but also like gets her character to experience a bit of an arc and have some development as well yeah because at that point that's when she like really starts developing and becoming her own and this is what i'm talking about is that she's no longer the comic relief and like you said she finally has something to do in the greater arc of the story um ying nan ends up training um she ends up training shang chi into how to use um kind of like fluid movement and kind of opening himself up to kind of the universe to be able to redirect the energy of the ten rings uh because uh ying li was the only one to ever defeat uh wen wu without using any like anything other than you know her own (laughs) her own like natural abilities so uh he ends up learning the technique that she knew so that he can uh beat his dad um and yeah, that takes us up to the final confrontation of the film where um, the Ten Rings end up attacking and start fighting the people of Talo. And uh, when Wen Wu and Shang-Chi start fighting, uh, he, Shang-Chi ends up getting very quickly overpowered by his father, unable to kind of, unable to really use like his, um, his abilities to like, the full extent right and then uh when he gets knocked into the into the bottom of the lake when you believe he's about to uh you know as he you believe he's about to die he gets awoken by the great protector dragon who ends up you know bringing shang chi making him come to and essentially just rising from the lake Meanwhile, Wen Wu is just destroying the gate and all the while letting these soul suckers start coming out and they start eating, um, combined the people of Talo and the Ten Rings. So they end up working together to try to fight off the soul suckers. And then in a, you know, finally being able to come in his own, Shang-Chi is able to uh, redirect the power of the Ten Rings and ends up kind of dueling with uh, his father over controlling them, where he ends up like taking control of five of them. And then uh, when Wu ends up taking control of five, and it's like as they're shooting, like you know, you get a lot of really cool visuals because you see like when Wu, when he controls the rings, it's like blue glow, while when Shang-Chi uses it, it's like gold. And then finally, he's able to take all of them and take control of it um and it's at this point that the uh dweller in darkness kind of escapes from the broken gate and as he attacks shang chi uh when wu sacrifices himself saving himself or saving his son and giving him the rings kind of uh you know passing him down uh at that point after he dies, Shang-Chi, his sister Shailing, and the Great Protector fight the Dweller in Darkness in this giant, bombastic monster fight. <laughs> and as the creature uh, starts getting its, uh, or as the dragon starts getting its soul sucked out, uh, that's, I think, when Katie shoots the arrow. Um, Which, yay, Katie, that she's able to shoot the arrow and, like, stop this nightmare monster from sucking all the rainbow energy out of the goddamn dragon yeah that dragon's our friend 
Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, it, it like that completes her arc because she went from someone that just wanted to be this lovable slacker to finally like taking control and literally taking the shot. Um, and then uh, Shang Chi is able to kind of put it away by blasting the <laughs> blasting the creature and killing it with a giant like energy blast from his uh, from the ten rings. And then after that, um. Yeah, so after that, Shang-Chi and Katie end up returning to San Francisco and they end up meeting up with their friends or they're giving the recap of the entire battle at Talo, to which their friend refuses to believe that doesn't have, like, that's not real. And <laughs> she understood that she might have hurt their feelings when she was talking shit about them earlier, but that that doesn't give them the right to kind of make fun of her. And meanwhile, they're being completely honest. They're like, no, all of this happened. <laughs> And, you know, her being, uh, what's it called, uh, you know, like, incredulous about it. She starts asking, well, what happened to your sister? Shang-Chi says, oh, you went back, she went back to uh, the Ten Rings to shut down the operation. And she just refuses to believe and continues to berate them. All the while, the Wong, we see Wong opening the circle behind the friends. And he shows up and asks uh, Shang-Chi. <laughs> and like and i love simu lu is just like he's one of those guys that just gets comedic timing and he's just like everything he does is just like it's the very himbo response <laughs> and it's like if you ever watched kim's convenience he's actually really good in that show too um but yeah like he he responds and then like wong comes over and tells and you know essentially tells him to come with him he ends up cannonballing the friend's drink right in front of her which is great <laughs> <laughs> and as they're leaving katie and shang chi say they'll venmo her for the drinks and as they you know they take he ends up taking katie's hand and they step through the through the portal the portal closes and that's the movie <laughs> roll right. credits and then and, it feels very Ant-Man. And of course, like I said, there was the mid-credit scene where it does it, it shows you, yes, this guy will indeed become, you know, one of the baby Avengers that are being put together now. Uh, because we get Captain Marvel and uh and uh Bruce Banner uh mm-hmm. along with Wong in this like conference area. And uh yeah, it, it's funny that they just kind of like imply what could be coming up for them next. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time it like <laughs> it turns into like Wong and uh and and Sean and Katie like all doing hotel California. California? <laughs> Getting absolutely shit faced in the karaoke uh hotel California. Um, yeah, it was great. I love the I love the mid credit scene because it does open up the world. Uh, you know, you see where Shang Chi kind of like finds his role among Bruce Banner, Captain Marvel. Now the end credit scene. Yes. Once we get through, is this scene implying that Shaolin is is creating a? Ten ring, a nefarious, like rebuilding a nefarious ten rings, like group, because that's, that's what it feels like. That's how I took it. Yeah, that's how I took it. I took uh, it as her going back to. I was about to say Macau, but her going back to the compound and just taking control of everyone that her dad was under her dad's employ. Yes. Um. To what extent we don't know. 
but and, I think and we'll find that out later because it, much like James, very much like James Bond, we get Ten Rings Will Return, which is mm-hmm. usually like famously at the end of James Bond movies. So, and um, they, actually, Marvel's been doing that a lot. They started with Guardians of the Galaxy, and mm-hmm. then Eternals did it, where at the end of the end credit scenes for uh, Eternals, they say they will return for whatever. Yeah, there's a total, total lift from James Bond, but it's such an expansive franchise in its own right that it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Javi, did, did, you, did you like Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings? I did. I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was a good back-to-basics movie, especially going into the crazy bombastic movies that are going to take place right after this movie. <laughs> <laughs> where you have the Eternals, which are literally existence's pain and nothing matters. And then you have uh, No Way Home, where it's the multiverse crashing in on itself. So it's like there's some big things that are going to happen in the Marvel Universe, um, especially in like by mid this month, right? So I think a movie that's smaller in scale but more focused on the characters themselves, um, it felt good to have a movie that you know is not going to be a lead-up to another team-up movie, that it's not just an avenue to... Or it's not just... Yeah, it's not just something to get you to the next Avengers or the next uh, mashup movie. So it was cool to find, you know, meet a character... Uh, get to learn more about this character, the background of these characters, their stories, uh, see these origins, and have it told in a way that actually Marvel hadn't touched yet because Marvel hadn't touched a martial arts movie. Like, yeah, there there are fight scenes and they're very Mm. well choreographed fight scenes, but specifically a movie that also has such love and care for those Hong Kong martial arts films was fantastic. Like, I love... Like, I love seeing um, those old Jackie Chan movies where the way, like, where those stunt teams would use the environment and they would find ways to use, like, everyday objects into the fight, like, choreography. Mm-hmm. Because you see a lot of that in Shang-Chi, right? Like, when he, whether it's the bus fight scene or whether it's the fight scene outside of the, um, what's it called? Um, on the, on the scaffolds the bamboo scaffolds like you see a lot of like hints of that uh jackie chan um early 90s era of like fight choreography which was fantastic um so yeah as far as like marvel movies go yeah there are better movies um you know like yeah this is no winter soldier but at the end of the day i think it was good i think it's definitely a passable movie and i enjoyed it and uh i think it's definitely worth picking up i mean you you have to pick it up to like find out what's going on in the mcu but it's definitely a fun movie and uh yeah i'd agree uh, I, I enjoyed this movie a lot i thought it was really good uh it was easy to get into um you know compared to some of the shit we've been watching it's uh it made for good conversation it's funny like ant-man it's got the same formula as black panther and iron man and it also just does a good job at setting up some of these, you know, as I said, baby Avenger characters uh, that we'll be seeing eventually come together to do other things. And, you know, again, you're, you're, you're just you're giving different groups of people the ability to see themselves on film. And that's always a good a good thing and a big deal. Um, 
I mean, we get Oscar Isaac in a couple months when he becomes Moon Knight, so in that yes. miniseries. So, you know, it's really cool that they're they're giving a lot of chances for uh, these minor, you know, these minority actors to really uh, get yeah. on their own. And we're also going to get, you know, on the DC side, we're going to get Blue Beetle soon. So it's yes. definitely we're 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 eating now as comic book movie fans and that's good for everyone so you ever heard the story about how simu lu actually like willed this movie into existence or he willed the role for himself yes yes i how did he, how he like tweeted i think at like kevin feige or just marvel studios in general it was like hey so when do i get to play shang chi and they're just like coming in for an audition he goes oh shit <laughs> And it was perfect because I think like I don't know much about this character, but much like RDJ as um Tony Stark, like I can't really imagine many people outside of Simulu playing this character. Yep. And even if you're not talking about something as big as Black Panther, just something like Luke Cage. It's just you're it's all these things where it's like even these like characters you've never heard of, you can introduce them into this world and they all fit and 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 you just give them the attention that they deserve and uh it, it was definitely more enjoyable than eternals <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so unnecessary. a parting shot <laughs> the unnecessary bodying of the eternals at the end of shang <laughs> uh so like thank you guys for joining us for this episode we appreciate you guys uh continuing to follow us uh you know with the week that we had to take off because of my schedule um and also the holidays i mean let's be real yeah for sure i didn't want to record on thanksgiving everyone needs a break Um, yeah we've earned it but yeah we'd like thank you guys for following us uh on social media please continue to interact with us and and leave us reviews on the apple podcast app and uh we look forward to the last month of 2021 and wrapping up year three of the show so uh (laughs) please stay tuned for us to put out our december schedule uh by the end of this week on our instagram and you guys can see what we're watching uh starting next week that made me think of that meme where it's like man if only if all we need to do is get through one more month and then we just have to get through 12 more months you guys (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah you know i think on that note definitely take care of yourselves uh mental health is a huge thing i know it's that change of the season Sometimes seasonal depression can really get, you know, can really kick you in the balls along with regular depression. So definitely have no shame in reaching out, getting help, talking to people or doing what you need to take care of yourself. Being, you know, I'm going to be completely open and honest with you guys. I've been struggling a lot with my own personal mental health. Um, this, I don't know if it's the change of the weather or the change of the seasons, or I'm just a, a big sad boy in general, but, you know, thankfully I have my co-host Angel who I've been able to reach out to and talk to a lot of my friends, a lot of my family. So definitely during these holiday seasons or during the holiday season could be rough for some people. So uh, please, 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 if you absolutely need help, um, go out and get that. There's absolutely no shame in that. Yeah, so uh, hey, take care of yourselves out there, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Love you guys.